You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter number, let's read in 16, we'll go back to 15. Preacher, thank you for allowing me to be here. And I just want to say to all of the staff and folks that have labored for this church to make us feel welcome. And uh, boy, everything you see around here is class, act, just everywhere. And uh, man, many of, many of the folks labor all week long so you and I can sit here, enjoy this music, enjoy this preaching, enjoy this instruction. Meetings like this just don't happen. And I want to say to the North Valley Baptist Church from my heart, I greatly appreciate your hospitality, your love, and your kindness. Amen. Genesis chapter 16, let's stand together. And uh, Lord, help me, I want to try to be a blessing to you this evening. The Bible said in verse number one, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from barren. I pray thee, go in unto my handmaid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Sarai, Abram's wife, took her Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband and Abram to be his wife. He went unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she had saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid. What about that? The devil knows your name but he calls you by your sin. The Lord knows your sins and calls you by your name. Sounds like amazing grace to me, amen. He said, whence camest thou? And said, whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself unto her hands. The angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. The angel of the Lord said, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son. Thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. You can be seated. You can be seated. Now I say to you, as you look into the Word of God and begin to study the different characters of Scripture, what you'll find is that God uses all kinds of experiences in their life to develop his people. Can I tell you, I believe if you look into Abraham's life, uh, he enjoyed some mountaintop experiences. At other times, he walked through some deep, dark valleys of despair. Uh, sometimes he had the ability to taste victory. At other times, he wallowed into the despair of defeat. Uh, but whether that experience brought sunshine or whether that 
that experience brought shadow, or whether that experience brought great faith, or whether it brought doubt, every one of the experiences that God allowed into Abraham's life served his purpose in building and blessing this man called Abraham. And as you study his life chapter after chapter, Abraham's story reveals how God molded and matured him. You can look back in Genesis chapter number 15 and the Bible said after these things the word of the Lord came came unto Abraham in a vision saying fear not Abram for he said I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I'm glad the Bible said that as cold water is to a thirsty soul so is good news from a far country and can I tell you aren't you glad that just in the right moment whether it be in your ministry whether it be in your home all of a sudden out of nowhere God will speak a promise in your Bible study time whether it's just a saint of God will come by your way and speak a word into your heart to encourage you to go another mile I mean boy this came at a great time Abram was distressed from the battle he had just went and rescued Lot from those armies and now man he was disappointed in his own blood Lot was not doing what he should have done and Abraham's heart was broken and Abraham's heart was heavy but then all of a sudden out of nowhere God had a word from heaven aren't you glad in this hour we live in I mean where there's listen difficulty there's despair and burden on every hand I'm glad before the sun comes up in the morning you and I can lay our Bible on our desk and open it and all of a sudden the written word begins to reveal to us the living word and he has a word from us from afar a country I want you to notice some statements in Genesis 15 that the Lord made unto Abraham he said I am he said I am thy shield and thy exceeding a great reward I mean boy he had a word for his fear the very first thing that God said to Abraham was fear not amen aren't you glad thank God in a day where there's wars and rumors of wars that you and I can rest in the promise of the word of God where it said fear not amen how can I tell you brother Treber can tell you that you have no reason to fear Pastor Cooper could refer to you and say fear not Brother Bertram could say fear not Brother Everson could say fear not Dr. Gravely could walk to the platform and say fear not or Brother Hudson could walk to the platform and say fear not but you might still have reason to fear but honey when the God of heaven the creator of everything the one that stepped out on the platform of nothing and pulled back the curtain of nowhere and spoke everything into existence honey when he says fear not you can sign that promise on the back deposit it in the bank of your soul and realize that God is in the control of one that knows the end from the beginning I think about the 400 years of spiritual darkness that came after the book of Malachi all of a sudden that silence for 400 years was broken when the angel said to Zechariah 
Zacharias. Uh, fear not, Zacharias, uh, for thy prayer has been heard. Uh, thy wife Elizabeth uh, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And then the angel said, Fear not, Mary, uh, for thou hast obtained favor uh, with God, uh, for thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And then that on that dark, a uh, silent Judean hillside, uh, there were shepherds in the same country uh, abiding uh, with their flocks, uh, uh, keeping watch by night. And suddenly the angel of the Lord uh, uh, came upon them, uh, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And the angel said unto them, uh, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord and this shall be a sign unto you and ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a heavenly host praising God and saying a glory to God in the highest a peace on earth and goodwill to men I wonder how in the world they could say peace I tell you why because the man whose name should be called wonderful a counselor of the mighty God and the everlasting father and the prince of priests had made his arrival in this world. He said, fear not, I am thy peace. He said, I am thy peace. Then he said, I am thy shield. He said, I am thy protection. Amen. I mean, we got security, and I thank God for it. Needed it Sunday, which the right time just showed up. I thank God for the Air Force. I thank God for the Marines. I thank God for the Navy. I thank God for the Coast Guard. I thank God for the Air Force. Uh, every one of our armed forces uh, uh, that have spilled their blood uh, uh, so you and I can enjoy uh, uh, the listen, the peace of America. Uh, but can I tell you, uh, uh, my listen, my rest uh, uh, does not come from the Marines. Uh, and my rest does not come from the Air Force. Uh, and my rest does not come from the Army. Uh, uh, but honey, there's something, uh, Miss Caliphate said, uh, there's something between me and the storm and it's not a tank and it's not a missile. He told, he, he told Noah, he said, build an ark. He said, I want you to pitch it within and I want you to pitch it without. That's the same word we get for our atonement, amen. And can I tell you when the rains begin to fall and the waters begin to dust up, oh friend, listen, there was something between Noah and the condemnation nation of God. Uh, you say what is it? Uh, they sang it the other night. Uh, the blood will never lose uh, its power. Uh, all those armies were around Abram uh, and he didn't know how he was going to survive. Uh, but then out of nowhere uh, the Lord said I am uh, thy shield. Aren't you glad between a world uh, that doesn't understand the Christian and between you and the liberals and the modernists and listen the perverts uh, that are in this world. Uh, there is something between you and them and his name is Christ. I am thy protection. But then he said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding 
great reward. It's such an honor to be on this platform. And I think, my goodness, if you'd have told me what the Lord would have allowed me to do 28 years ago when I started preaching, I'd have told you you'd lost your mind. But boy, he's been good to me. Hallelujah. But can I tell you, there's not a meeting that's my prize. And there's not an offering that's my prize. Amen. There's not a building that's my prize. But my prize has got a rivet side and nail-scarred hands. He's got a thorn-pierced brow. Amen. I'm not pursuing an it. I'm pursuing a person. Amen. And his name is Jesus. And there is no other name given unto heaven whereby men must be saved. Oh, listen. Abram looked at the king of Sodom. And he said, I tell you what. The king of Sodom was going to give him whatever he wanted. And listen. He looked at him. And Abram looked at him and said, I'm not going to take a thread even to a you latch it uh, because you're not going to say you made me rich. Uh, I'm not your child. Uh, uh, see the difference in Genesis 14. Uh, in Genesis 13, he had an audience. Uh, or Genesis 14, he had an audience with the king of Sodom. Uh, and he had an audience with the king of Salem. Uh, uh, but honey, when he stepped into Genesis 15, 1, uh, he had an audience with the king of kings uh, and the Lord of lords. Uh, he said, I am, I am, I am had a word for his fear. Hey, can I tell you something? You say, preacher, what in the world are we going to do in 2022? Just rest in the I am of your life. Amen. Amen. But then notice he said, Abram said, Lord, I don't have an heir. Is Eliezer, my servant, going to be my heir? The Lord had some more things to say to him. He didn't say, I am, but look at what he said in verse 5. He didn't just have a word for his fear, I am. He had a word for his faith. He said, he brought him forth abroad, saying, look now toward heaven, and tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. He didn't just say, I am for your fear. He said, let me tell you this, I shall for your faith. Amen. Uh, can I tell you, it's one thing uh, when man, when flesh and blood make a promise to you, uh, but it's a whole nother thing uh, when the God of heaven, uh, the one the Bible said it's impossible for him to lie, uh, when he speaks of I shalls uh, through the word of God uh, to your heart, aren't you glad, friend? Uh, uh, listen, you've got dreams for the ministry uh, and you've got a heart to win people to God and you're trying your best to find and to do and abide in the will of God and every once in a while the Lord will come by and say man you may not have seen it yet you may not have enjoyed it yet but I shall I shall I shall thank God friend I'm telling you friend there's nothing like when God speaks of my shells into the depths of your soul I shall, I shall. But look at verse 18. The same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying unto thy seed, unto thy seed have I given this land. Now before I was full time in the ministry, and I say probably, I guess since, January the 1st of 1994, 
as full-time in the ministry, I just worked a job for several years. Amen? And, uh, but uh, I was a commercial banker, and we would lend money to businesses and sole proprietorships, corporations, and I've set a lot of closing tables through the years, and we've signed deed to secure debts, we've signed quick claim, quick claim deeds, We've, I've watched property change hands. I've watched us attach a lien or a security interest into that property. And I'm like, Brother Tony, I don't know all the Bible, but the parts that I've studied, I, I know pretty well. And I, I've read Genesis 15 over and over and over in these last months as I've been, God's been dealing with me. And Brother Trevor, when you get to that verse where he said, have I, I've not seen a closing table. I've not seen land change hands. I've not seen any, any markers, Brother Rick, staked out uh, to say this is your property. I've seen no surveys done. I've seen no paperwork signed. All I see is a promise of God. And he wasn't saying I am for his fear. And he was not saying I shall uh, for your faith. But he said I have for your future. I wonder what you're here this week and you're begging God. I mean, you're begging God to do it. You want to see it happen in your work. You want to see it happen in your faith. You want to see it happen in your family. And man, you've laid on this altar and you beg God to do it. I wonder how many prayers have been brought to this altar and beg God to do it. But in the mind of God, it's already done. I wonder, boy, y'all been raising that money I rejoice uh, of what God did for you in February uh, in that debt retirement, amen. Uh, as a banker, I wanted to lend it, but as a pastor, I want to pay it back, amen. Uh, and man, I rejoice in that. Uh, and y'all been praying and you've been laboring, uh, but I wonder in the mind of God uh, if he already knows the date uh, of when the balance will be paid uh, and the note will be burned. Uh, I'm telling you, we fret uh, and we go on, uh, but honey, when we take God in his word, uh, he doesn't just have a word for your fear and he doesn't just have a word for your faith but thank God he's got a word for your future amen amen he said well Lord how am I going to know how am I going to know boy don't that sound like us I want to see the promise cards what folks have, have committed to give Hello, y'all pray for me. Maybe I'm the only one that's struggling my faith. He said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you get these animals and you, you divide them and you cut them up and you lay them in there. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a promise to you. Boy, I like westerns. Anybody like to watch old westerns? I like to watch old westerns. You say, why? Because the guy wearing the white hat, at the end, he rides off into the sunset with a beautiful lady that's going to be his life and they're going to live the rest of their days in happiness and victory and the bad guy is dead. I mean, man, I like it. In the Westerns, the good guys always win. I'm glad in the Bible we're going to win too, praise God. Amen. But you know what we would see as a boy? You would see what they, the, uh, a cowboy and an Indian. When they became friends, they would become what? Help me now. They would become what, Brother Bertram? 
of blood brothers. What is that? Where does that come from? Yeah, where does that come from? Where does that start? That's a covenant. That is a, the word covenant means cutting. It's a cutting. You know what a covenant is? An unbreakable commitment from one person to another person. Glory to God. Amen and amen and amen. What about that, brother? Uh, brother Armel, that he, he was wondering, how in the world am I going to know God is going to do what he said he'd do? Well, you're thinking, well, man, he made, a pro- he made a promise to Abram. He made a covenant with Abram. Well, he did, but he didn't. You say, what happened? Abraham laid all that stuff out there. But God knew Abraham, even in his good intentions, he wanted to hold his end up, but he couldn't. He wanted to be faithful. Can I just remind you and I, we're not here because of our faithfulness. We're here because of his faithfulness. Hey, listen, you may have labored uh, and you may have been in a long time, uh, but there's been seasons where you wobbled a little bit on the axle, uh, but thank God you've never gone to him uh, when he was not the same as he was the day before and you'll never go to him again uh, where he won't be the same tomorrow. So what did he do? He said, Abram, I know you want to help me, but let me just go and put you to sleep. And they said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, but I'm not going to swear by you. I'm going to swear by me. He put him to sleep. All, them, all, those, all those pieces were laid out. And he would have walked that figure eight covenant. And they normally would have come, come help me, Brother Bertram. Come help me. Turn us back to back the way that normally would have happened. Y'all hold on, I'm going somewhere. We would have started right here. Those pieces would have been laid. And we would have walked the figure eight. We would have walked the, you go that way. What we would have done, we would have walked those pieces. In making a covenant. And we would have come back together with that cutting that was on our arm. And we would have struck hands as to solidify that covenant. But can I tell you, you and I are like Mephibosheth. We didn't make the covenant. We're just the beneficiary of it, amen. Hallelujah, friend. Oh, if I could get lost, I would get lost. If I could fail, I would fail. If there was anything I could do to keep me out of heaven, I would, I'd somehow mess it up. But thank God there was a covenant made between God the Father and God the Son. What did David say? Is there any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to, but not for Mephibosheth's sake, uh, not for anybody else's sake, uh, but he said for Jonathan's sake. Uh, aren't you glad, thank God, uh, the reason that you got saved, uh, the reason the blood was applied to your sin uh, was because a covenant had been made uh, between God the Father and God the Son. Amen. Come help me, Brother Cooper. Brother Cooper, I, David, Jonathan, I'm going, just, just bear with me. If we were going to make a covenant, you don't have to take your coat off. I can't get it on. I wouldn't be, I wasn't picking at you. I just don't want to tear your suit up. First thing we would have done, we would have exchanged robes. Be easy now. We're making no fat jokes. Amen. Let me put my pen back in my pocket. 
He's stealing my pen. But what that would have said was, we would have, we would have exchanged robes. And what that would have said to everybody around was that my possessions are now your possessions. You remember the day you got saved? Boy, you like that prodigal son, you smell like the hog pen. You smell like, you smell like corn husk. You smell like sour food and you stunk to high heaven. But the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon, he took his righteousness and imputed his righteousness into your life. And can I tell you, you might have had a record before you got saved. And the sheriff's office may remember what you were before you got saved. But in the portals of glory, the sheriff's office has got more on you than the God of heaven does. Because when he looks at you, he sees his faithfulness. He sees his righteousness. He sees his long suffering. Because his possession became my possession. The next thing we would have done, I would have taken a sword. I'm not giving you my Bible. I need the notes. Amen. He would have said, here, my weapon is now your weapon. And he was saying, not only is my possession yours, but my power is yours. Glory to God, amen. You say, how can we win the battle against the devil? The same way the Lord did. He gave us his sword. He gave us his word. He gave us his weapon. And now it's just like, oh, listen, it's like, uh, it's like Moses' rod. It was a rod, and then it became the rod, and then it became God's rod. Uh, do you remember when he put that in you, uh, and you were just a rod, uh, but then he turns you into the rod, uh, and now, thank God, you become God's rod, uh, a tool in his hand, uh, because his power. You say, preacher, I'm not the most gifted. I'm not the most talented. Yeah, but he's the everything. He's got all the power. He's got all the love. He's got all the goodness that we need to do the will of God in this hour. You got your knife in your pocket? Ooh. Uh, well, what we would do the next thing we would do, we would take a knife and we would cut, we would make a cutting in our arm, a cutting. He would cut it. And then what we would do, we would grasp hands and I would mix my blood with his blood. And not only was my possession be his now and my power would be his, but my person would be his. That old song said, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. Uh, can I tell you what happened, Brother Evan? Uh, what changed your life? Uh, it was not a dry out clinic. Uh, it was not a 12-step program. Uh, but there was a preacher who took a Bible and told you that there is a fountain uh, filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Uh, and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Uh, lose all their guilty stains. 
things. Oh, Brother Gravely, what found you? It wasn't a dry out clinic. Your daddy had been a drunk for 42 years. Oh, but that morning, oh, when you went to the church and bowed down on that old metal chair, he didn't just give you his righteousness. He didn't just give you his word. Oh, but thank God the blood oh, that Jesus shed, he mixed his person in our life, amen. Glory to God. Some of us, if we're not careful, we'll get a little bit of a pharisaical attitude. And we'll look at people and say, well, they should have got over that by now. And they should have handled that by now. We might all remember what we were when he found us. Amen. And not even what we were when he found us. What I still struggle with on a daily basis. The next thing we would do I would have a salt pouch. Brother Tony gave me this. He would have a salt pouch. And he'd reach into his pouch. And I'd reach into mine. And I'd put mine in his. And he'd put his in mine. And that was inseparable. You couldn't pick out my grains from his grains. And he couldn't pick out his grains from my grains. Aren't you glad, thank God, uh, uh, that you're not a child of hell anymore? You're not of your father, the devil. Uh, But God's done a work in you. You know what? One of the last things that you, you can go on. We have one more thing. Thanks for my, be still my soul, sword. Amen. I'll just keep that off for the time being. The last thing they would have done is we would have, we would have made that covenant so that Link and Riley and Carter would know that Brother Cooper and I were in a covenant. We would have planted a tree so that when our children came back through that area and saw that tree, they would know that a covenant had been made. Can I just say to you, on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross. Now listen, the world thinks it's gory. Or the world thinks it's a repugnant and they wonder why. But can I tell you, every time I go by that tree, I remember that there was a covenant made. I remember that Jesus loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Thank God for the tree. Amen. Aren't you glad for an honest Bible? Because if we didn't have an honest Bible, Genesis 16 would not be in your Bible. Genesis 16 is the darkest blot in Abram's life. And if we hadn't had an honest Bible, the Lord would have skipped over chapter 16 because he wouldn't want us to see a man that was called the friend of God doing something like he did in Genesis 16. But on the other side of the cross, that was this side of the cross. But on the other side of the cross is where you find Hebrews 11. On this side of the cross, under the dispensation of the law, the Bible magnifies his failure. 
On that side of the cross in Hebrews 11, the Bible magnifies his faith. Amen, friend. Aren't you glad? What a God. Oh, he will not remember our sin, oh, but he'll be faithful not to forget our work. Oh, what about a God that's got that kind of mercy? In chapter 15, you see him as a man of faith. Chapter 16, he's a man of unbelief. Chapter 15, he's believing God. Chapter 16, he's hearkening to the voice of Sarah. Chapter 15, he's walking in the spirit. Chapter 16, he's walking in the flesh. And listen, how I many you think, how in the world could a man do so good before this chapter and do so bad at, or do so good after this chapter, but miserably fail? Hey, can I tell you before you get on him too much, uh, you better remember there was only one that could say uh, that I do always the things that please him. Uh, but God will let us learn from his failure. I'll tell you what I'm preaching on in a minute. I'm about done. Brother Rudy Smith tells me, Brother Gradley, he said, you build a million dollar foundation and put a shack on it. Some of you preachers ought to understand that. I'm wore out by the time I preach my introduction. You can't preach the rest of the message. Now you guys that weigh 150 pounds, you can do that. But I can't. The high gear is out of my transmission anymore. <laughs> when you walk into Genesis 16, everybody's acting natural. Galatians said, Galatians said, are you so foolish that you begun in the spirit and now you're made perfect by the flesh? You walk into, you walk into Genesis 16, the man that was just living after faith is now living by flesh. The man that was just listening to God is now listening to his wife. See, faith was missing. Man, what they should have done was built an altar, confessed their sin, and got right with God, but that's not what they did. They just continued to complicate the situation. And what ended up happening? Sarah failed as a mistress. Hagar failed as a maid. And Abram failed as a man. See, Abram was as wrong when he married Hagar as he was when he moved to Egypt. When he moved to Egypt, he compromised with the world. When he married Hagar, he compromised with the flesh. And neither one of those are going to turn out well. I'm afraid a lot of times if we're not careful, we will try to marry a good motives with bad action. I mean, man, I believe Abram, he wanted a seed. He wanted to see what God was happening. But just like the Emmaus too, he hadn't seen it yet. What about that growth you're looking for in your ministry? And you hadn't seen it. And you look over there, there's somebody that's traded their Bible. And somebody's traded their message. And somebody that's dropped everything that was used to be important to them and they're busting out the seams, you better be careful or you might be packing your bags to move to Egypt. The Bible said many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from God. You say, man, I just want to reach more people. That sounds good. But if you have to act like, if you have to act like Egypt to catch them, you're about to make a mistake. 
Can I tell you, if you build it on preaching, if you build it on the Word of God, you can keep it on preaching. And you can keep it on the Word of God. But if you catch them on the flesh, and you catch them on the world, uh, that'll never sacrifice or, or satisfy. You'll have to have more flesh and more world and more flesh and more world till you won't even have a church. See what happens, sometimes motive has nothing to do with it. I could take a drunkard, put him in the middle of San Jose tonight at five o'clock in a big rig, and he'd run all over people. Or I could put one of these teenage young ladies that don't even know how to drive a stick shift, much less a big rig. They, I mean, amen, some of these young men, they, they don't know how to parallel park, they got a button that parallel parks for them. And that drunkard may have intention to make a mess, but they wouldn't. But you know what? At the end of the day, the people are as dead if they're run over by them or run over by the drunkard. See, somehow along the way, we've got to a place where we think that faith makes things easy. Faith doesn't make things easy. It makes it possible. Amen. It makes it possible. Everybody's acting natural. Isn't that about where we are in our modern day? We want to act natural. Only problem is our nature is corrupt. People say, well, I'm just going to follow my heart. Well, the Bible said your heart's desperately wicked and who can know it? Amen. I'm going somewhere. But then I want you to notice. I want you to notice verse 7. Here I'll give you my title. This is... Fellas, this is not homiletically correct preaching. I've been preaching for however long that is. Let me put that back in my pocket. Now I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching on. Look at verse 7 in your Bible. The Bible said, The angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. I'm preaching on this thought. He came looking for me. When he came looking for her, Brother Everson, he wasn't doing the natural. He's doing the unnatural. You ought to take a pen and you ought to underline that phrase, the angel of the Lord. Brother Gravely, we know who that is. That's not Gabriel. That's not Michael. That's not one of them other, that's not one of those other, one of those other angels. Neighbor, that was none other than a Christophany. A pre- I don't want to. I don't mess anybody up. But let me tell you something. Bethlehem was not the first time he made an appearance in Amen. this world. Amen. Amen. He didn't show up for the first Amen. time in that manger. Amen. He didn't show up the first time Mary put her hands on him Amen. and laid Amen. him in that hay. No, friend. Right here Amen. is the very first place in your Bible that the Lord God, the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, appeared to anybody. Now, hold on now. He just appeared to somebody that wasn't even looking for him. He just appeared to somebody, matter of fact, that was running away from him. He said he found her by in the wilderness of shore. Where is that? That is the fortified Egyptian outpost that separates Egypt from Canaan. 
Can you imagine she was wore out? Her face was wet with tears. Her face was wet with sweat. She had just made a trip across that shiny eye desert, an expectant mother. And boy, she just stopped. At the very last place, she could have stopped before she got to Egypt. She just left the household of faith. Amen. She just left Abraham, the friend of God, the father of the Hebrews. And she's turned her back on that and she's running away. But at the very last, listen, where was she going? She left the household of faith. She's about to go back to Egypt. She's about to go back to bondage. She's about to go back to a pagan life. She was about to go back to a, a gospelless place. When all of a sudden, the Son of God, oh my, the Son of God. I wonder how many of us are sitting here. You could go back to the moment you got saved. It was a moment of decision. It was a moment of delineation. Had you not got saved right then, your life would have been changed. Huh? Aren't you glad he didn't just come looking for somebody on the right side of the tracks? Aren't you glad he didn't come to look at your personal financial statement, look at your banking, look at your banking account to see what you had to offer the work of God? Oh no, friend. He came to where she was, right in the middle of her mess. She didn't come to speak to the father of faith, but she came to speak to an Egyptian fugitive. She didn't come to speak to the heir of all promises, but she came to speak to an Egyptian slave. She didn't come to a man, or he didn't come to a man. He came to a woman. He didn't even come to a Jew. He came to a Gentile. Wow. What about that? Might be that he came not to call the righteous, but the, a sinner to repentance. Could that might be what he was driving home? Hey, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to look for somebody that's not looking for me. He was doing the unnatural. Most of us love people that love us. We, most of our love is reciprocal love. We just love them back because they showed us love. But what about that? Aren't you glad the Lord didn't treat us that way? See, I'm afraid in our churches, Brother Mark, we're living in the natural while the Lord's doing the unnatural. What about that? Here she is expecting Ishmael. And let me just say this. Genesis 16 in the history of mankind, Brother Everson, is the greatest mistake in the history of mankind outside of Adam falling in the garden. There's been more bloodshed there's been more bloodshed prior, I mean, Ishmael's descendants prior to, prior to Muhammad, and then the bloodshed after that. You realize that's where Islam comes from. I'm not being ugly, I'm just saying there's been more bloodshed because of this mistake. And what happened? All he did was act naturally when he hadn't heard from the Lord. See, we're leaving a mark. What happens if we don't see what we want to see and we just do what, what we think is natural? There may be a lot of blood on our hands. What about a God, though, 
and walked into the middle of her mess and said, I tell you what, I'm going to make a great nation out of your son. Let's just say this, boys. Ishmael was not God's idea. It was Sarah's idea. Now, I know God's sovereign and in control and all that, but God didn't hatch the plan for Ishmael. Sarah did. But what about the fact in her failure, God walked into the middle of her failure and began to speak the promise of God and grace into her life, even in her difficulty. How many of us could testify that, boy, we just really messed it up, but he came to where we were? Come on back to the piano. I'm done right here. Turn your Bible to Genesis 21. Genesis 21. Genesis, Genesis chapter number 16, he's acting natural. And the Lord's acting unnatural. But when you get to Genesis 21, ain't nobody acting natural. And ain't nobody acting unnatural. But the Lord's doing the supernatural. Isaac's born. Ishmael's mocking him. And Sarah said, he's got to go. And the Lord told Abraham, said, it's okay. Ishmael's not the promised seed. It's all right for him to go. So what did he do? What did he do? He filled him up a bottle of water, gave him some bread. That was the best he could do and sent them on their way. But that bottle didn't last very long. That's what we can do. That bread didn't last for long. That's what we can do. It ran out quick and all of a sudden they're laying out there in the wilderness she put that boy, a bow shot, away from her because she didn't want to see her child die. And she cried out to God. But then the Lord heard the lads cry. How about that? And he said, go get your son. And the Bible said he opened her eyes. She was in Beersheba. She was in the land of Wales. But she couldn't see one. I wonder if that might be where we're at tonight or this morning in our own life. We're surrounded by them, but for some reason we can't see them. And he opened her eyes. And he didn't take her to a bottle. And he didn't take her to a little loaf of bread. But he took her to a well. See, what happened is when they were acting natural, they got what they could do. The Lord was acting unnatural and showed somebody love that wasn't even loving him. But after he got to acting unnatural, then all of a sudden, the supernatural showed up. Can I tell you what? And I believe we ought to use our heads. God has gifted us with a mind to think, and we ought to do everything we can. Do it the right way to reach people. But we can't reach them with the flesh. And there comes a point where we're going to have to act in an unnatural way and love people that mock us, love people that scorn us, love people that look at us and say, you're weak-minded because you've got to have a faith to get you through. But if we'll learn to do the unnatural, the Lord will step in and do the supernatural. See, because we can't reach this world in our power. We've got to do the work in his power. 
and we've got to have him. Somebody told me one of the greatest, one of the greatest definitions of prayer, Brother David Nix was preaching for us, Brother Ricky. He made this statement, he read it. He said, what prayer is, is weakness leaning on omnipotence. Come here, my man. Come help me. Come here, my brother. That's one behind you. Big guy. Come stand right here. Now, if this fella right here were to threaten this young man, he couldn't do a whole lot with him. He wouldn't pose no resistance to you. But if he had somebody that loved him, that he could go to and say, I I've done all I can do. I need your help. And he'd just sort of lean on somebody. <laughs> then what might happen is that person he's leaning on might step between him. You say, where's he at? Not important, it's who's in front of him that matters. I'm not as strong as he is, but I'm stronger than he is. And ain't that what we do when we go pray, Lord, I'm going to do everything you give us to do. We're going to knock on doors. We're going to run buses. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna preach the gospel. We're going to practice our singing. We're going to be kind. We're going to live separated from the world. We're going we're gonna to have a good attitude. But Lord, we, we need more than that. And we say, will you, will you help us? And he says, oh, yeah. If you'll do what you can do, I'll do what you can do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.